going on, people? It's your boy, Kalechi, back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves. I hope y'all are doing all the things you know you ought to do during these times. I just want to say thank you to each and every single one of y'all that keep tuning into this podcast each and every week. Man, I appreciate y'all tuning in. I appreciate y'all sharing the podcast. I appreciate y'all just riding with me. It's been, what, almost four years now since we started the podcast. It's just crazy to think about when I started this podcast as just like a a thing that I did on a whim. And now it's just, we just keep doing it at this point. We just keep doing it, sharing this information, trying my best to be able to help in any way that I can possibly help when it comes to this money issue, because money is very much has become too complicated and it doesn't need to be that complicated. My goal is to make money as simple as possible. As you guys know, every Tuesday we like to talk about the psychological and also just the tips on personal finance when it comes to money, the psychological part of money. How do we think about money? How do we feel about money? Because a lot of the times money is a whole lot less just the dollars and cents that we like to focus on so much and so much more about the way that we think and feel about certain situations and then it comes out through our money or it shows itself through our money. And one of the things that I want us to do is to start breaking those things down so that we understand a little bit more about ourselves. The ironic thing, is the more that I learn about investing, the more that I learn about money, the more I learn about these things, I learn more about myself as well. And I'm able to develop myself just a little bit more. I'm able to learn about what are the things that trigger me to do certain things. I was talking to my sister the other day and she said something that made me very proud. She talked about how she bought a new purse and she was like, I was going through stuff all week long and I bought a new purse. And then after I bought the purse, it just kind of dawned on me that the reason why I bought the purse was not because I wanted the purse or needed the purse was because of all the things that I was going through that week. And it made me go to retail therapy. And that made me proud, not because she spent the money or didn't spend the money that I didn't care that much about. But what I cared more about was it caused her to reflect on why it is that she was taking the time to buy that purse or why it is that she did the thing that she did. It forced her to actually sit down to think about the situation that she was actually going through. And that's what I want for each and every single one of us is when we do certain things, I want us to take the second to actually reflect back and say, wait, why exactly did I do that thing? What exactly caused me to do that thing and how can I adjust to make sure that I don't fall into the same traps? I love to say like when you look through your budget, when you look through your statements, it is an easy way for each and every single one of us to be able to see what it is that we're putting our money behind, to be able to see what it is that is driving us to make certain decisions. Is it hard? Yes, because it takes time for us to actually reflect back and think back about what happened that week. What was the things that was driving our decision making in that week? This way, we can continue to grow we can continue to develop ourselves and then on on thursday like today as you guys are listening to this podcast right now we like to talk about the the business news that's going on we like to talk about how all the things that are happening in the market whether it's the government whether it's a crazy man named as putin whether it's businesses how their decisions affect the dollars in your pocket because one of the things that we all need to learn about is information information is king not just random information but understanding how the things that are the decisions that are being made by the federal reserve which we'll talk about today how is that going to affect you the decisions that are being made by our president that are being made by congress that are being made by a business down the street that are being made by apple that are being made by disney how would that end up affecting the dollars in your pocket it's so important for us to understand these things because when we understand these things then we can adjust properly to know okay that business i don't want to be a part of but that business 
I kind of dig the business a little bit more, if that makes any sense. But enough of me talking and rambling about all the things that I'm excited about, and let's get right into the podcast for today. Before we start anything, early this Monday, President Zelensky, who is the president of Ukraine, gave a speech to Congress. Axios called it Zelensky's Shame on You Tour. <laughs> they called it the Zelensky Shame on You Tour. Basically, he's been going around all of Europe. He met with the UK Parliament. He's met with the European Union. And now he met with Congress today, where he's just asking for more aid. He's asking for more help. And just right before he did that, because Biden wasn't going, didn't want to be ca- caught flat-footed, Biden actually provided over one billion dollars in aid to ukraine he's providing a lot more military assistance actually i will read out every single thing that the u.s is going to be providing directly to ukraine to help them continue to fight this battle against to help them continue to fight this battle against the against russia and basically so the u.s will be sending directly it passed and prior to this the u.s has been trying to like go through like poland and go through other countries to send uh armed equipment to ukraine now the u.s is just like bump all that we're going to send this stuff directly so they said they're going to be sending 100 tactical unarmed aerial systems which is armed drones 800 stinger anti-craft systems 2000 javelin anti-armor missiles 1000 light anti-armor weapons 6000 AT four anti-armor systems, 7,000 small arms and two, 20 million rounds of ammunition and 25,000 sets of buddy armor. So basically, Biden was like, you're not about to catch me footed or catch me flat footed. I'm going to go ahead and approve all this stuff to be able to send to you. But basically, Zelensky, if you hear this guy speak, my gosh, this guy is passionate, very much calls upon the U.S., uses historical records of what the U.S. I mean, one of the things that he said during his speech that was so powerful today was he called on the U.S. history in itself. He said, this is a quote from what from his speech. He said, remember Pearl Harbor, the terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Remember September 11, a terrible day in 2001 when evil tried to turn your cities, independent territories into battlefields, when innocent people were attacked from the air. Our country is experiencing the same every day right now, at this moment. Every night for three weeks now, Russia has turned the Ukrainian sky into a source of death for thousands. And then he turned to... Biden directly, and he said, I wish for you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Bruh, my guy went straight for the, my guy went straight for the heart, like, yeah, this just literally just went right for the heart with that speech, man. And he's been doing this over and over again. Every single time he gives a speech, it's just like quotables upon quotables. And now it's now showing part of the reasons why the Ukrainian people are like so like ready to fight like when you have a leader who's willing to stand behind you it's not he's not hiding he's actually up there with people standing for them fighting with them i mean when you have a leader like that i mean i mean there are some people i mean this is what that i always say like you can be a manager without being a leader a lot of us will follow people who aren't leaders at all but because they give you that vibe of like, yo, I will do anything for you. And so people follow those kinds of people. If you want to be a great leader, be somebody that is willing to put things on the line for other people. If you want to be a great leader, that's how you stand out. I'm still learning how to do this. That's how you make people follow you. I remember when I worked at 
uh, Georgia Pacific, there was one guy, Santavian Poole, who I, you just gravitate to this dude. The way he's able to uphold himself, he taught me so much about how to be a leader. And he wasn't my boss or anything, but at the same time, it was like, yo, this guy understands people. He understands how to get people to do things that they don't even want to do. The way he talks with them, the way he challenges them. And it's the exact same thing that Zelensky is doing. It takes so much to be a good leader. It takes so much craft. It takes so much art. It takes so much skillfulness. And Zelensky is not exactly the guy who anybody would have thought would be, would have been a great leader. I mean, this guy was a comedian before he became president. He was literally a comedian, which is part of the reason why uh, Russia or Putin thought he could just stomp yard over Ukraine, which apparently is definitely not the case at all. But that's exactly what he's doing. He's standing up for his people and he's rising up to the occasion. He's standing up and rising up to the occasion, which is just simply amazing. But anyway, this week, we're going to start the stat of the week early because we have the biggest stat of this week. And that stat is 0.25. On Wednesday, Jerome Powell announced an interest rate in increase of 0.25%, bringing the federal funds rate, which we've talked about before, which is the lending rates between banks that determine the basically the interest rate that you pay for all other kinds of loans. It brings it from zero to 0.25 or 0.25 to 0.5 because it's a range when they do the uh, the Fed funds rate. It's not, it doesn't really, it's not like when we do our credit card where our credit card is always like 20% or 19% or whatever. For them, there's a range that banks can choose to lend each other their money based on like how quickly they need the money back and all this other stuff but we're not going to go into that they also signaled that as the year progresses the federal reserves will continue to increase interest rates depending on all the circumstances that happen with the Ura ukrainian russia war the Fed is trying to walk a very thin line between balancing the Ukrainian-Russian crisis and fighting off inflation that is beginning to run rampant. I mean, as a matter of fact, the last inflation numbers came out. We talked about it. That's at 7.9%. And I'm expecting that this month's number is going to be a whole lot worse because the last month's number didn't even factor in the oil crisis spike that we just had, which, thank the good Lord, those, those prices have come back down. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But Overall, they're trying to balance that whole thing out. The only thing that is working on the benefit of the Federal Reserve, any bad moves from the Fed can cause the U.S. to fall into a recession as they begin tightening their monetary policies. The only thing working on the behalf and in favor of the Federal Reserve has been the labor market, which has remained super tight with over 11 million job openings and wages continuing to rise. Unfortunately for the Fed, history is not on their side. Typically, when the Fed begins fighting inflation, they inevitably, inevitably cause a recession to cool down the market and cause things to reset. Axios Neil Irvine had a perfect rundown on how the Fed ended up in this point if we flash back and everything that i'm saying from here on out is going to be in quotes i just thought the way he put this information and that's neil irvine from axios by the way side note not sponsored but one of the greatest places you can go for news is axios.com i love their newsletters the way they share information it's impartial they just give you the facts and i love it but anyway beginning of the quotes flashback it was one year ago exactly that the Fed started to fall behind the curve 
on aligning its policy stance with economic conditions on the ground. Consider this timeline. In December 2020, the economy still in shambles. Fed officials forecast that they'll keep interest rates near zero through at least the end of 2023. Between that meeting and the March 2021 meeting, Congress passed a bipartisan $900 billion pandemic aid package. Democrats captured the Senate in Georgia's special elections. The Biden administration's passed a $1.9 trillion rescue plan. COVID vaccines became widely available and inflation figures started to perk up. End quote for a second. This is why I say like there's so much more detail than people just saying like, oh, the cause of inflation is this one thing. The cause of inflation is a multiple multiple of things. It's the it's the government passing that extra stimulus package to make sure that people could still survive. It's the extra uh, rescue plan package that they had to go ahead and do with. It's the fact that the Federal Reserve kept rates low, even though because nobody knew that we were going to be able to open up and things were going to get better, even though we had the Omicron wave and the Delta wave. Because remember, during those two waves, we thought that we were going to have to shut down the economy again, but that didn't happen. And because that happened... Everyone was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. But anyway, let's keep on going with the quote. But the outlook for the Fed policy didn't change at the March 2020 meeting. Despite those dramatic shifts in the outlook for fiscal policy and public health, Fed leaders didn't want to repeat the mistake of the 2010s with a hasty tightening that risked slowing the jobs recovery prematurely. With perfect hindsight, of course, that left them stuck in a stance of super easy monetary policy even as the economic growth surged and inflation pressures mounted. State of play. Now the Fed prepares to take that first step toward tighter money policy. As importantly as this week's meeting, the central bank leaders will update their rates forecast, and that will tell us where the consensus lies on how fast they can move. The Fed believes the longer-term neutral rate, which neither stimulates nor slows the economy, is around 2.5%. It will take a total of 10 quarter quarter point moves this year just to reach that forecasters are expecting somewhat less than that maybe six rate hikes this year with more in 2023 the bottom line powell has aimed to move cautiously in this tightening campaign in part to avoid adding more uncertainty in an unsettled time the trade-off is that the fed is now playing catch-up end quote And just like we read at the end of that, the Fed actually, like I said earlier, they've announced that they're probably going to do exactly six rate hikes as we head into the rest of this year. And the uh, interest rates are going to be around 1.9% by the end of this year. And they're going to add some more rate hikes next year. And then sometime in the middle of next year, we should be at about 2.4%, right in the range of where they think like we're not stimulating the economy, but at the same time, we're not doing any damage to the economy as well. And how that plays out, we'll just have to see because usually when the Fed starts increasing interest rates and also pulling back on all the stimulus that they've put into the economy, things tend to slow down. And when that happens, we usually end up going to a recession, especially right now with everything going on right now. We're coming out of the pandemic. We have the Russia-Ukraine crisis. We have so many things that is all happening at the same time that is just like, it's just a massive boiling pot that just needs something to trigger a spark and then everything just falls apart. While the Fed continues to tinker on interest rates to fight inflation, 
regular folks are be beginning to bake in inflation expectations much higher than normal. In a normal period, most people do not even know what inflation is. If you ask what you think inflation should be over the years, if the person even knows about inflation or understands inflation, you will get the answer around 2%. But with inflation running wild and people hearing it all the time on the news and seeing how fast gas prices rose up right in front of their eyes, they get educated extremely fast. The Consumer Confidence Survey from the University of Michigan found that the short-term inflation expectation rose to 5.4%, the highest level since 1981, which is the last time that the U.S. had crazy inflation. This can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Basically, if people believe that there's going to be inflation, they act accordingly, which actually causes inflation. Here's a quick example of that. what that looks like. Let's say I'm a worker and I'm expecting that prices of milk and bread and everything else that I buy is going to be more expensive. You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start looking for a new job or I'm going to go talk to my boss and say, hey, I need a higher salary. In other words, I'm just, I need more money. I need you to pay me more money. Employers say, you know what? I like your work. I like what you do every day. I'm going to pay you more money. But then they turn around. Once they pay me more money, they're like, you know what? I can't afford to just pay this guy more money. I need to recoup my cost. In other words, they turn around to all the consumers. In other words, me, the person they just paid, they turn around back to me and say, I need you to pay me more. So they charge me more for the items that I was going to shop for. I see higher prices again. I go back to my boss and I say to my boss, yo, I need another increase in my wages. My boss says, cool. And they turn around and increase prices again. And that cycle repeats over and over and over again, leading to the thing that I feared the most, which was inflation. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't ask for a raise because do what's best for you, baby. Don't worry about the economy. The economy go take care of itself. Do what's best for you. But this is what you usually happens when the entire U.S. starts to believe that inflation is going to be higher for an extended period of time. We do what we believe is best for ourselves and for our families. Stats of the week, $97. The price of oil as of yesterday came down to $97, at which point I was saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> because after the invasion, after Russia invas invaded Ukraine, oil flew up to over $130 per bar barrel, which I am so grateful that these prices have come back to earth. But the ironic thing is like, I'm not seeing gas prices come down just as fast because yo, oil prices are coming down. How come gas prices still elevated? Like they need to match up because I remember when gas, when oil was $97, gas was only $3.75 where I lived. Why is gas still $4.30? Somebody explain that thing to me. Somebody explain how that number system works. How come oil comes down, but gas stays up? How come it's not reacting as quickly? I don't get that. I don't get that. Somebody explain that nonsense to me. Next number, 2%. That's the percent of GDP that Germany, Sweden, Denmark have all pledged to spend on their various militaries. For years, the U.S. has called on NATO and its allies, on its NATO allies to hold up their end of the bargain and spend appropriately on their defense. No one listened. Putin was able to do what the U.S. was never able to do and get Europe, the entirety of Europe, to change their minds so quickly about defense spending. After invading Ukraine, everyone announced a concerted effort to improve their defenses. As Danish, Danish Prime Minister Met Fredriksen said, 
Historic times call for historic decision. Expect a lot less pushback about the U.S. spending 3.5% of its GDP on defense. I remember a few years back, people were so upset. Like, unlike any other nation in the world, the U.S. spends 3% of its entire GDP just on military spending. Now, all of a sudden, I don't hear anybody talking about that. I don't hear anybody talking about, oh, we spend so much money on, uh, on, on, on military spending. I've always said that one thing people underestimate is not just the amount that we spend in military, which, yes, is 3% of our GDP, which is a lot but it's the innovations that come out of that because what most people forget is the internet was born out of military spending gps was born out of military spending a lot of the things that we do use day to day in our cell phones in our computers all the things a lot of the things that we use every single day was born out of military spending because they give those contracts to universities to be able to find new technologies and new ways which end up filtering down to the things that we use on a daily basis so i've never really been too anti-military spending which at the same time i understand like you yo they're using money to do all this kind of stuff like it's a little bit too much now it's like but at the same time i also understood that military spending historically not just for the u.s but historically has been one of the reasons why we have some of the greatest investments in the world because for some reason man really likes to develop ways to kill ourselves and from developing ways to kill ourselves we find other things for example the noble peace fries the guy who has the noble peace fries who has the entire foundation because guess what it wasn't a government foundation this was somebody's it's a private foundation noble i forget his first name but the noble guy he's the guy who created dynamite He's the one who created dynamite and then from him creating dynamite, he created the things that has brought so much life to so many people. So I'm just saying like sometimes we, 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 we forget that human beings are so complicated and we believe that we, you know, we're either all good or all bad. Now we're a bunch of grays most of the time. Moving on from there, the next number is 8.2%. This is the percentage of homes that are now worth more than $1 million here in the United States. That number has doubled from 4.8% just in 2020. I keep saying it, the way house prices flew in the last three years has been crazy. We should not be seeing home prices fly that quickly. It's not the stock market. We shouldn't be seeing prices fly that crazy. It's great if you already owned a home for <laughs> for several years. But for those of us who want to be a homeowner, this sucks. As Professor Galloway says, there continues to be a wealth transfer from the young to the old because young people just don't have the money to be able to start earning or owning any of these assets, which is unfortunate. Next number for the day, 60. The number of EV fast charging stations that will be installed at 15 Starbucks locations across the United States. You can charge up your car and you can charge up yourself as well and get some food while you're at it while you wait for your car to get charged. Starbucks and Volvo partnered up to make the charges available along a 1,350 mile route from Denver area to Starbucks headquarters in Seattle by the end of this year. This is good news. We need more charging infrastructure and it's the perfect place to have a charging infrastructure by restaurants, by coffee shops, by malls, places that people when they're traveling long distances want to stop out anyway. Last number for the day, one in 9.2 quintillion. That is the odds of you being able to pick a perfect bracket for March Madness, which just started, and people are spending buku loads of bucks gambling on this thing. By the way, if you don't know what a quintillion is, that is 18 zeros. To give you some, some perspective, 1 million has six zeros. So uh, if you're filling out a March Madness bracket, 
Good luck, my friends. The final ones, the extras for the week. As they say, you need to go where the people are going. According to a survey by Generation Lab, the top def destination for postgraduate college students is Seattle, number one, New York, LA, Denver, and Boston. Seattle has never been number one. It has never been in the top five. It basically beat out all the other cities. And all the other cities basically came in second, third, fourth, and fifth, respectively. The interesting part of the study was how much the results changed based on the preferred voting party. For Republicans, their top destination was Austin, Texas. For Democrats, their top destination was, and you can probably guess this one, New York. That was their top destination. Also, for Republicans, Republicans were less likely to leave their home states than Democrats. It's just interesting. I'm going to leave a link down in the show notes for you to go check out the results of the entire survey. Uh, next one, before we close it out with the final story, is the Senate yesterday or on Wednesday passed a new law, which is the Sunshine Protection Act, after we all woke up super groggy on Monday with the fact that daylight saving time happened. And, you know, they passed a new act that basically would make daylight saving uh, savings time permanent because everybody has been complaining like, yo, why we keep doing this whole time switching thing? Like, that's a problem. And that seems like good news, right? Uh, not exactly. Because here in the United States, we, we never can agree on anything. There is strong opposition to the act because people want more sun in the morning and not less. I actually fall into this category. I love early morning, the, the sun rising in the morning, me looking out and just being like, ah, such a beautiful day outside. Right now, every time I wake up, I'm just like, I just want to get more sleep because there's no sun. It's dark. It sucks. I just don't want to be anywhere. But you know what? We argue about it. Arguments against the permanent daylight savings time include children waiting for their buses in the dark, clocks not synced with Europe, which means that messing up in travel and trade, gas use will increase because more people will be out and about at 9 p.m. because the sun won't go down till 10 some days. So that's some of the arguments against permanent daylight savings time. I fall into the car, the camp of wanting permanent standard time. But really, I just want us to pick one and move on with it so we're not going back and forth ironically though back in i think it was 1995 the u.s actually put permanent daylight savings into action and then they repealed it because there was a lot of issues with the way that children were left in the dark from bus stops and all this other stuff that it was just a lot of issues so it's kind of weird to me that we are basically just repeating the same mistake that we made before like we know permanent daylight savings time does not work we already tried that in the past why are we doing the same thing again that makes literally no sense to me but anyway moving on from there the last news of the day as companies continue to pull away from Russia because of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, Russia is warning companies that it will seize their assets and make them state-owned enterprises. They also place sanctions on a bunch of U.S. officials like President Biden, uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Paskey, and also the Clintons and a bunch of other people, which everybody just saw that and was like, oh, that's hilarious. That's funny. Y'all cute. Because as the White House press secretary, Jen Paskey said, it won't surprise any of you that none of us are planning tourist trips to Russia. None of us have bank accounts. We won't be able to access. So we will forge ahead. Basically, it's just like this doesn't even matter at all and doesn't affect us one 
bit. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire thing. And if you did, share this podcast with one person that you love, one person that you hate, and one person you're just kind of like, eh, about. And by that time, you just shared it with every single person that you know. But it's been your boy, Kalechi. I'm going to catch you up on the next one. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And y'all boy is out of here. Peace.